Uh, our message is forgiven people forgive. Forgiven people forgive. And we're going to be looking at Matthew 18. Last week, if you turn there, last week we said forgiven people love. Right? This week we're saying forgiven people, if they're genuinely forgiven, will forgive. And um, Matthew chapter 18, um, verse 21 to 35. If you turn there, now, second week running, notice no overheads. Um, I think sometimes as much as it helps me, and I think sometimes it often helps others, it can sometimes be a distraction. So, um, we're in the middle of a series on prayer. And um, <clears throat> I began a few weeks ago to talk about some of the things that hinder our prayers. You know what I'm saying? Unforgiveness being one of those things. Now, last week we saw a prostitute who was forgiven much, remember? And as a result, she loved much. Today we will see something negatively similar. We'll see someone who is forgiven much, but doesn't love at all. Imagine. Forgiven much, but doesn't love at all, and withholds the very thing that they were blessed with, which is forgiveness. Hopefully we'll see that these things ought not so to be. Let's read the text and then, and then I'll pray. So Matthew chapter 18, if you're there with me, I'm reading from the ESV. It says, Then big, big apostle Peter came up and said to him, that is to Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but... 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. Verse 26. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who, who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him. Have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from where? From your heart. Would you pray with me? 
Lord, please help us to get the meaning of this passage and then help us to respond to the challenge that it presents. Amen. The unforgiving servant. It's a story that's wrapped up in a number of layers. Jesus says it points to events at the close of the age, at the final judgment. Therefore, this is something that we must pay close attention to. The unusual and startling thing about this passage is the person who ends up being tortured for eternity, you know, is actually a victim. There's a few things I'm going to repeat. Let me say that again. The unusual and startling thing about this passage is the person who ends up being tortured for eternity is actually a victim. Question, have you ever been wronged? Have you ever been a victim? Have you ever been victim to tremendous hurt or have you ever been victim to tremendous pain? Have you ever suffered at the hand of another? Could I entreat you to pay close attention because this text has a really unexpected twist. Now the Bible is very adept at showing us that <laughs> as humans, we often don't tend to see our own sinfulness. Now how many of you know we're sinners? But we, like we know that. But often we don't tend to actually realize that we're sinners. We don't often see our own sinfulness. Now at the beginning of this chapter, the disciples are, like most humans, consumed and enamored with themselves. Like, who is the greatest in the kingdom? They say to Jesus. Remember how throughout the Gospels often they argued about their own elevated status. Well, I'm the greatest. No, I'm the greatest. Remember? Jesus, using the example of a child in verse 4, gives them a lesson in humility. Then Jesus speaks directly to the issue of sin in verse 7 to 9. It's seriousness and it's, it's implications of not dealing with our sinfulness radically. Verse 8, he says, and if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. You're like, whoa. Because it's better that you enter into life crippled or lame with two hands rather than have two hands and two feet to be thrown into eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It's better for you to end a life with one eye, <laughs> cyclops, than with two eyes to be thrown into the hell of fire. Like my girl used to sing. Was, what's her name again? With the, with the, who? Gabriel. Better. I mean, it was fake. It wasn't even real. It was a little signature thing that she had going on, but... You think, but my eye's important, yeah. It's not as important as your soul, though. You know what I mean? Then Jesus, now this issue of sin, then Jesus talks about, it, he's talking about sin, then Jesus talks about God's love toward the sinner. Right? Sin is just, you know what I'm saying, the issue throughout this chapter. He talks about, he talks about God's love then towards the sinner, notice, who goes astray, you know what I'm saying, like a sheep that goes astray, but is restored. Remember? 
It goes out, it leaves the 90 and the 9, it goes out to find the 1. You know what I'm saying? And that one's restored and there's what, what, what happens in heaven when the one sinner is restored? What happens? Thank you, Bertram. There's rejoicing in heaven like when your team scores a goal. You know what I'm saying? Like England winning the rugby. Who would have ever believed that? You know what I mean? If you're a rugby fan, you're a rugby fan, you don't know what I'm talking about. But you know what I'm saying? Like celebration. And Jesus says, this is how God, this is how the angel, this is how heaven responds to a sinner who repents. Sin is serious. But, but the way God rejoices, the, the joy and the happiness at, at that sinner having their sins forgiven and their life turned around is one that we should celebrate. Then, then for the fourth time in this chapter, Jesus picks up again on the issue of sin. And we haven't even got, even got to our text yet in this chapter. But for the fourth time, he picks up on the issue of sin. This time, it's a Christian brother or sister who this time doesn't repent of their sin. They don't see it as serious and they think everyone else is picking on them or, you know what I'm saying? And then what happens to the person? The person ends up getting excommunicated. That is, they get, they get, they get put out of the church. How many of you know that's a serious thing? That's not no light thing. But notice, that's the sinner that doesn't repent. You know what I'm saying? But what about now the person that does sin, but they do repent? What do you do with that person? Well, we get the answer in our text. You need to see the difference. You know what I'm saying? But this is the context. The passage has a few different elements. It starts off, one, with a question in verse 21. Then there's an answer to that question in verse 22. Then we have this long parable that presses home the answer that he gives in verse 22. You know what I'm saying? And the answer to this in the parable, verse 23 to verse 35, then we will look at the implications for us. You know I'm saying? What is it? What is it? It's what it says, but what does it mean? You know what I'm saying, but what, then what does it mean to us, right? Now, I make no apologies for stealing this outline from one of my professors at Bible College, um, and I'm actually going to quote Christopher Ash in a moment. How many of you know church discipline is for the individual that doesn't repent? What do we do with the brother or sister that does sin but repents? You have someone that wrongs you, personally now, you know what I'm saying? You have someone that's offended you, someone that takes advantage of you, and you forgive them, right? But then as you spin around, they do the same thing again, and then they hurt you again. And you know what, you're like, huh, okay. And then you, as a good Christian, you forgive them. And as you spin around, guess what? Same thing. They do it again. At this point, how are you feeling? Well, see, this is what Peter wants to know, and I'm saying, and that's why he asked the question in verse 21. Then Peter came up and said to Jesus, Lord, how often? You can hear it in the question. It's like, come on now. Like, there's a limit, isn't it? There's, a, like, there's levels, isn't it? It's like, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him. How often will my sister sin against me and I forgive her? As many as seven times? 
See? First time you forgive, then you do it again, you forgive, and then you do it again, and you add infinitum is the question. I'm willing to forgive, but come on, three or four times now, like, man's taking liberties now. You know what I mean? And everyone says, yeah, for real. And I'm saying, like, Peter's like, look, what's the answer to this, this dilemma, this conundrum? Surely I can't just keep on forgiving. <laughs> Jesus is like, Peter, I don't think you get it. Peter's like, Lord, the rabbis traditionally say you forgive three times. And then you're well within your rights to cut them off. Peter's like, I'm not even going with the rabbis. I'm doubling and adding one. Come on now. Surely I'm gracious if I say seven times. Maybe Peter's thinking. Jesus is like, didn't you hear what I said in verse 15 to 20? If your brother or your sister sins and doesn't repent, then you can cut them off, quote unquote. And I'm saying church discipline. I mean, but even then you're praying for that person. You know what I'm saying? Even then, they've gone out, in it, And you've got the 99 in the church. You'd be like, let me holler at this person. You know what I'm saying? Or let me at least pray for this person, innit? Even then, you kind of cut them off, but still, your heart yearns for them. No? Well, okay. Maybe not. They can, they can like, bun them. What, like, Whatever. I've got enough things on my plate to be thinking about and worrying about. If they don't want to repent, bun them. Like, you know what? Hell, I got, hell can bun them. Now, we may, sometimes we may not say that. <laughs> sometimes we may, we may actually say it, but sometimes we may not say it, but it's like, whatever. Like, out of sight, out of mind, whatever. Jesus, wow. Jesus says, okay, and I'm saying... But there does come a point where there's a separation and you have to take drastic steps. But then what do you do with a brother or a sister? Like, this is different. Jesus is like, I'm going to tell you what you do now when they do repent. Because who don't make mistakes? Wait a minute. We're going to get there. Verse 22 is the answer to the question. Jesus then says to him, I do not say to you, like you think seven times is a lot. He says, I do not say to you seven times, Peter, but 70 times seven. Like, what? I mean, in another translation, it, it, here it says 70, time, 70 times seven. Some other translations say, say 70 times. And it's funny, you know, you, one of the things we, we must always do is remember the, the, the Bible is one story, Old and New Testament. They're not two separate you know what I'm saying? Dis they are separate and dis they are distinct, but they're not separate. Like one is completely removed from, separated from the other. How many of you, it's one story, for Genesis to Revelation, is one big story. You know what I'm saying? And, and one of the things that's wonderful here is, where have you heard this reference to 77 before? Okay, let me remind you, right? <laughs> Genesis chapter 4, and... <laughs> You remember Cain, when Cain killed his brother, mercilessly. God warned him, don't do it, bro. You know what I'm saying? Sin is crouching at the door. It's desirous to have you, but you must master it. But Cain's like, yeah, whatever. And he went and killed his brother. And then you got 
One of his descendants, a brother called Lamech, thank God for Duncan Forbes, big up Duncan. Duncan says, Lamech is the first um, gospel, not gospel, he's the, thank you bro, he's the first gangster rapper. Because Lamech, all Lamech does is boast about himself. And when you look at the text, it's indented. And you see, in times you see in, indented text in your Old Testament, it's poetry. How many of you know poetry is, is rap? Like, you know what rap stands for? R-A-P, rhythm and poetry. So my man's just spitting bars, you know, in, in Genesis 4. And he's chatting about himself, see? First, first gangster rapper, you know what I mean? And one of the things he says, he says, you think Cain, you think, you think Cain is a bad man? Cain ain't no bad man. you be like, rah, but you know what Cain done? Yeah, Cain's up an army. He says, look, with reference to me, Genesis 4, verse 24, he says, if Cain, and, he's, and he's boasting to his girls. He's got like, Barrett, he's real gangster rapper. All his girls. He's the first bigamist in the Bible as well. He's, all his women. And he's boasting to them. And he says, he says, if Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then mine, Lamech's, is 77-fold. What's the point? If you, think, if you think Cain was a bad man, in me, you ain't seen nothing yet. And that's how the world works, isn't it? Often, a ch often children are told from, from, the, from a young age, what? Someone punch you in the playground. Punch them, what, pu like punching them back is, the, is like the first step. I'm saying, and you know, we wonder why we have so much youth violence. Because it never stop. it doesn't stop there, does it? It doesn't stop there. See, and we're always tempted, like Lamech, to take things to another level. Come on now, let's admit it. Let's be honest. Even if we don't necessarily do it, we think it. And I remember, I remember one time that somebody done something to somebody in my family. I wanted to go and burn down their house. And, th and this, this, this is not... 10 years ago. So I, was, I wasn't just a Christian. I was a pastor still then. I wanted to go and... Listen. <laughs> even, if I, even as I say it, the feelings and the emotions just come, are coming back to me. We're always tempted to take... And you know, Islamic extremists <clears throat> did it in northern Nigeria. In response to the cartoon drawings of the Prophet Muhammad, right? They murdered a hundred, they murdered a hundred Christians. Talk about, see, and that's the way of the world. Can you see the disproportionate retaliation? Can you see that? It's disproportionate. Seventy times seven. Worth of wickedness coming your way. See, and, and we can easily get sucked into that type of behavior. Jesus picks this up and he says, look, I want the church, notice, to be the place where the world's disproportionate retaliation is turned upside down and becomes outrageously disproportionate forgiveness. It, like, like, bro, that kind of, like, the way you went and, like, you know what I'm saying? I parked my car one time, you know what I'm saying, just slightly in front of someone's driveway. I mean, it was so slight they could easily get out. But the problem was somebody done it on the other side and they parked bare in front of their thing. So guess what? The people come and they couldn't get in and out of their driveway. So you know what they done? They keyed this car and then they keyed my... They, when I tell you they keyed every 
striking panel on my, it wouldn't have been so bad if they just went maybe on the door every panel on my car they keyed and the thing is the mad thing I came out of church I came out of church to find that and I looked at the house and this ain't even the house that I wanted to burn down this is the next one <laughs> this was the next one and I'm like the temptation the temptation not just like okay not just to do back what they done to me, but to, to take it. That 70 times seven retaliation. Like, why did they? They never had to do that. They could have just parked their car and just, all right, they might have had to wait, innit? And they could have come out and give me an earful when I come. And it weren't even me, it was the other guy. But we don't work like that. We don't work like that. Or should I say the world don't work like that. See, Jesus picks this up. And notice, Jesus drops a bombshell. Listen to what he says. Listen to what he says. He says, unless this type of disproportionate forgiveness characterizes your life, my life, Jesus says, my heavenly father ain't going to forgive you. He says, you ain't even going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Okay, hopefully, we are now all ears. What do we do in view of this very real world challenge? You know what I'm saying? That is when people really hurt you because it's real and it's deep. What do we do? You know what I'm saying? How do we, do, how, how, how do we respond to this? Well, Jesus will wonderfully illustrate by using a parable as he often does. And this parable has three scenes, right? I'm hoping this is going to help us. Scene one is grace. Scene two is gracelessness. And then scene three is judgment or justice. Scene one, verse 23 to 27. Here's the parable. Jesus says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him how much? 10,000 talents. How much is that? Well, the total annual revenue for the whole nation of Israel at that particular time was about 800 talents. I don't know, their GDP. 800 talents. How much does this guy own? He owns, he owns, he owes 10,000. 800 is the amount of money that's for the whole year, for the whole nation. How many times is 10,000, it's at least 10 times that. It's more than 10 times that, isn't it? If your math is any good, better than mine. So it, now how much money is that? Well, it, it, it equates today to not hundreds or thousands or millions, but trillions of pounds, trillions of dollars, trillions of euros. Who understands what a trillion is? It's a ridiculous, eye-watering, astronomical amount of money. It's a debt absolutely way beyond that which can be repaid. Can you see that? Can you see the ridiculousness of the amount? 20 years pay, 20 years pay for a normal worker in those days was one talent. Let me say that again. 20 years pay was one talent. This guy owns, owes 10,000. 
So he would have to live something like 80,000 lifetimes to pay back this debt. Can you? And the king says to him, you know what? How much is the amount? What, three trillion? Pay up. <laughs> but he can't. It's impossible. Verse 25. And since he could not pay... His master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payments to be made. The king says, if you can't pay, we're going to take it away. Uh, furthermore, we're going to take you away. It's worse. You know, the most that it was ever paid, apparently, at this time for one slave, the most, like it was record-breaking, like Ronaldo or Messi type fee. You know what I'm saying? For one, was one talent. Like when people heard, what? A slave was bought for one talent? So selling him, his wife and his kids, I mean, he ain't, he ain't the top servant. He ain't the top slave. It's not even going to scratch the surface of the day. It might bring in one-tenth of a talent. Can you see the ridiculousness of this debt being repaid? Verse 26, so look. So the servant fell on his... I mean, I would have just... I, I don't even know what I would have done in an instant. Like, there ain't nothing that I'm going to be able to do. But look what he does. A servant fell on... The, it's like, he was a chancer. He, he fell on his knees. Imploring, maybe he knew something about the king that we, didn't, we don't know. Maybe he knew there was a side to the king that was merciful. So the servant fell on his knees. So the, so the servant, notice how the servant responds. He fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me. And notice, I will pay you how much? What does he say? Thank you. He's, he's going to pay everything. Is that even realistic? Bro, if you worked 80,000 lifetimes, hi. He can't pay back the debt. Then in verse 27, the king says, Bridget, are you a madman? Like, he doesn't say that, does he? <laughs> He's not Jamaican. He says, look, in verse 27, the king says, cool, since you begged me, forget about it. Huh? Yeah, just... Forget about it. Verse 27, and out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and what? Forgave him the debt. Now here Jesus does what he did last week. Jesus introduces a word that we've not heard yet, which is what? Forgiveness. One translation, ESV, which is a more literal translation, says forgiveness. Jesus says out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. Jesus introduces this word. Can you see the debt? Can you see the debt was written off? The person wasn't written off. The debt was. And the offender is released. The offender is, is, is forgiven. Can you see that? Question. How would you feel? If you were that forgiven servant, 
great, thank you, sis. At least, like, I mean, first, I'd be, I'd be like, really? <laughs> I'd be like, he doesn't say, cool, all right, here, what, you can pay in, this, in installments, you know. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's, he, he, he forgave, he released him, he forgave him the debt and released, you'd at least be like, wow, grateful. At least. It's an understatement. And this is the point that I'm going to try and make. Now, that's the end of scene one. Verse 28 starts scene two. Scene one is grace. You see? Now, scene two <laughs> is graceless or gracelessness. And it's very similar to scene one, but with an unexpected twist. Verse 28. But when that same servant, say same servant, Right. Remember what it felt like to be forgiven, you know. Remember what it felt like to have your enormous debt cleared. It says, the same servant went out. He found one of his fellow servants who owed him the same amount. Oh, a hundred different, even, this is a completely different denomination. But, but, but strict def, definition. You know what I'm saying? It's a different type, <laughs> different type of money. It says he only owed, I say, he only owed him a hundred denarii. And I'll come back to that because it's not really only. And seizing him, he began to choke him saying, pay what you owe, you know. Okay, similar scenario. Someone owes a debt, but it's owed to the person that was just forgiven a debt. But notice the difference in scene two compared to scene one. The debt is a minor fraction of the previous debt, right? Although it's not a trivial debt. Often I've read over this and thought, okay, well, look, look at the comparison. You know, the debt is far from trivial. One denarii is about one day's wages for a laborer. You see that later on in chapter 20 when the laborers are paid for their work. Right? So one denarii is about a day's wages is a good amount of money. Like nowadays, how much is that? Like, like people get paid at least, is it £10 an hour minimum wage? £15, £10 an hour? Um, eight, eight something in London, ten pounds. Thank you, Bertram. Um, but some people, you know, who are blessed enough to be able to command twenty, thirty, forty, fifty, a hundred pound an hour. <clears throat> I don't know. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I mean, I could divulge how much I get paid a week. You know what I'm saying? At LCM, they're a charity, so no, I won't tell you. <laughs> I won't tell you how much. But a day, a day's wages. What would we say? What would be fair? I don't know. But it would be fair. Somebody throw out a number. <laughs> 250 a week, at least. Yeah. And it's a, a day. All right. I said that. All right, then. I'm going to ask you how much you get paid, brother. Jeez. All right, then. All right, <laughs> brother B. <laughs> but all right, all right. let's say there's a figure out there generally, right? So one denarii, let's do it like this. One denarii is one day's wages, right? A hundred denarii. It's fair to say 100 days work would be about a quarter, right? Because 365 days in a year. Roughly a quarter of a year's wages. Now, how many of you know that ain't no small money? You know what I mean? I don't, if you're on 20 grand, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's five grand. And 20 grand is basic wage, isn't it? Ish. I'm saying so we're talking about a lot of like this is a, especially if you if you earn 20 and you're going to lose five right I mean that's your, that's that's half of your rent for the year if not more than that living in London 
So I'm, so I'm saying, let's, let's appreciate that this is, this is a substantial amount of money, but, and this is the big but, compared to my man's previous debt, it's a minor. It's a lot of money, but, but compared to what he owed, can you see? And we, and we have to get those, those specifics in, in mind. You know what I'm saying? Otherwise, we lose the power of the parable. So this new debt is a real issue. How should the, notice, forgiven servant treat his debtor? In light of how, it, grace. In light of how he's been treated, he should at least show some grace. You know what I mean? My man grabs up the guy and starts strangling him. Did you hear it? I mean, we read it twice. He's like, if you can't pay, we'll take it away. <laughs> Not his stuff, you know. My man's about to take away his life. I mean, he was only going to get thrown in prison. He's about to take this guy's, he's strangling the guy. No, you lot ain't hearing me. You ain't, you ain't listening to the text. You're like, bro, have you already, have you so quickly forgotten the huge debt that you were forgiven? The guy even used the same words, verse 29. So his fellow servant, notice, fell down and pleaded with him. I mean, bro, what, like, what happened to the flashback? It's like, have, and he says, have patience with me and I will pay you. And the thing is, you know what, this is mad because this is much, a much more realistic proposition than his one. I mean, this is, this is a debt that actually can be paid back. You know what I'm saying? And he should be like, cool, it's a, you know, it's a lot of money still. But compared to the debt that just got wiped off of my account, just come check me next week, yeah, with, with, with 100 pounds still. <laughs> mm -mm. No. Uh, why? Because after all, he's the victim. After all, this brother actually owes me like, I'm the one that's been played here. I'm the one that's been offended. I'm, com what you mean? I'm completely justified to tell this brother to get my money. I'm the, don't get it, I'm the victim. And I feel justified. Does he forgive? In verse 30, no he doesn't. He refused, it says, and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. I don't even get that. How are you going to pay the debt when you're in prison? When you're in prison. Maybe it's a workhouse kind of I don't know. Bro, I understand that you've been wronged, innit? I understand that you've been offended, but bro, that's a, that's, I mean, to say that's a bit harsh. Now that's the end of scene two. Look as we come to scene three. Scene one was grace. Scene two we just saw, gracelessness. Right now, scene three is justice or judgment. The forgiven servant, <laughs> the forgiven servant, isn't very forgiving. I'm saying he's got short-term, like his, his short-term memory is shocking. But guess what? There are others watching what's going on, and their memory is working fine. In verse thirty-one. It says, when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, rightly, they were greatly distressed. And they, and they went, 
and reported to their master all that had taken. They, they proper snaked him. They snitched on my man. You know what I'm saying? And rightly so. Verse 32 then, his master summoned him, you know, and said to him, You see the language? You wicked servant. I mean, and I think that that has been prettied up. I'm saying. I forgave you. Notice that word again. I forgave you some of that debt. It doesn't say that, does it? Thank you for those of you that are following with me. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not, I mean, I mean, verse 33 just stands to reason. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? You wicked, you, you. Verse 34, and in anger, just to show you that I'm not exaggerating. In anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay. Notice some of his debt. It says, how is he going to pay all of this debt? Unless he's going to stay in prison for an eternity. You see, you're beginning to see the implications of this. Verse 35, notice. So also my heavenly... Boy. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you. If you do not forgive... Your brother, your sister. And if this is mad, should we even have to be told that we have to forgive a brother or a sister if they repent? Even if they do it over and over and over again. Jesus says, and notice, it's not just forgive your brother or your sister, you know. It's funny how he tags this on the end, isn't it? He says, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you. Don't. If you don't forgive your brother, your sister, from the heart. Now, the thing is, you know, you can't see my heart and I can't see your heart. And I mean, I can hear the words, you can hear my words. But only God can see the heart. And the thing is, I can fool you, you know. And you can trick me. You know what I'm saying? You trick me once, you trick me twice. You know what I'm saying? But we can't, we can't fool God, can we? The Lord's like, you know what? This is a serious thing. If you don't forgive, this is a serious problem. Now, this servant <clears throat> is, is forgiven an unrepayable debt, right? So you'd expect him to treat others accordingly, but, but he doesn't forgive someone just like himself. And he's described as wicked by Jesus. Now remember last week, Simon the Pharisee, he was someone that you'd expect to be loving, but he wasn't. This week, this servant, you would expect to be forgiven, but he isn't. And Jesus says, okay, well, you're going to now pay all your debt, even if it takes you 80,000 lifetimes to do so. 
are we beginning to see the point of the parable? See, the surprise is, you know what Jesus doesn't do? Jesus doesn't say, you know what, boy, you see that, the king, he was harsh in it. Oh, don't worry, God's not like that. He doesn't do that. He says, yeah, God is like, the father is just like that. He doesn't distance the father, God, from the king, but identifies the father as the king. What does this mean to us? See, the wrong way to take this, this parable is just to say, you know, we must be forgiven. It's true that we must be forgiven, but that's not the whole truth here. The deeper question is, wow, is like, Lord, but you don't know how I've been offended. Lord, you don't know how, but that's ridiculous, right? No. Rob, you don't understand, you know. Now, that's better. You don't understand, you know, what this person has done to me. And it might be a, it might be a husband and a spouse. I, I don't live with you. You don't live with me. You don't know what we go through. What, I don't know what you go through. But how many of you know some spouses are going through pain and agony because of the, mis, the, the maltreatment that they experience in a relationship? You know what I'm like, how about, how about your parent and you raise your children? You know I'm saying like, you rem they don't remember, you know, but you remember when you fed them and you changed their dirty nappy. You know what I'm saying? And you cared for them and you sacrificed for them and they woke up in the middle of the night four times. Where's Chloe? Sorry, yesterday. You know, Chloe's six months pregnant. Oi! And she don't, she, she, she looks, she look good. Isn't it D? Isn't it D? Yeah, D, D's like, yeah, she looks good. But you know what? Like, bruv, in a minute, you're going to know this. Feed that baby. Change that nappy, you know. Baby will wee on you, vomit on you, no apologies. Like, parenting is a thankless, it's a thankless task. <laughs> Hear me reminiscing on my pain, you know. Like, and then your children grow up and spit in your face. No regard for you, no, 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 thankful, no, no thanks or gr gratitude. How many of you, as parents, maybe not to that extreme, how many of his parents have experienced that? It's like, see, serve you. Remember what you done to your parents? All right then, serve you, <laughs> serve you, right? <laughs> what you sow is what you reap, isn't it? But I, I, I'm a parent, so I, Marky, and I'm saying, like, I look around the room, and and obviously I don't know everybody's, you know, what I'm saying, personal details, but I know a few of you because I've walked with you, I've known you for years. You know what I mean? And I know the pain that you've experienced. In one, and that's from a distance. It's like, let's not deny, you know what I'm saying? The, and, this is what, and this is what I'm saying. Like the, the real, like it's, and I can just say, you know, you just need to forgive. <laughs> it's easy for me to say that to you. It's easy for you to say that to me. So the deeper question has to be, how? How? I forgive you, bro, for giving me a 10-minute signal. <laughs> Like how is that? Sure, isn't surely that's that's the deeper question on the table. Surely. Well, because it's hard. Well, the key to knowing how you forgive is understanding how much you've been forgiven. 
that, you know, it's argued that it's not the offense that breaks relationships. Name the, I just tried to give you a couple. Name the relationship. It's not the offense that breaks the relationship, at least with us as Christians. It's, it's when forgiveness is withheld. Because none of us have an excuse to say, you know what, you, what it's, this is four times now. You know, this is seven times. You know, this is ten times now. Come on now, that's it. Like this, this parable and the gospel says, we, we can never say that. We can never say that. Despite how much we've been hurt, despite how much pain we've experienced, despite what this person has done to me. See, they've, they've done something that affects the relationship, but now what am I going to do? Well, if what I do is I say, you know what, I forgive you. Praise God, man. Because that, that heals the relationship. The relationship's going to take some work, but it, it, it provides opportunity for the relationship to be rebuilt. But when I step back and I say, that's it. And often we don't say it. We won't say, you know, I need to sit like, we need to have a coffee. We need to sit down. Hear what? You see, you've done this like too many times to me now. And it's my, the relationship's over. I mean, sometimes this would be helpful if we even did this, but we don't often. And I'm saying, we do it in terms of reconciliation, but we never say, you know what, that relationships, P, bruv, done. Don't call me. And I'm saying, I deleted you from my Facebook, deleted you from my Twitter. Brethren, we will do these, but we do these things, but we don't say to your face, you know what I'm saying, with my chest, bruv, that's it, it's over. But we do do that. I will come to church and the person sitting over there and I'm sitting over here and I ain't never going to come and sit next to you. And I hope you never come and sit down next to me. And I'll smile with my brethren them around that I ain't got really no, no issues with. Because no one ain't offended me to that point. When they do, then it might be another thing. <laughs> but right now, I'm cool with you. But with you, no. See, and, and we, don't, we don't have that honest conversation. And remember, we're talking about prayer, innit? We're talking about some of the things that hinder our prayer. Like, like why would we be surprised when the Lord's like, yo, come on now. <laughs> See? It's not the offense that often breaks the relationship. It's withheld forgiveness. Now, how much, however much we might be victims, in the sight of God, hear this, in the sight of God, we, we are offenders a thousand times more. However much we may be victims because of this person, in the sight of God and our relationship with him, we are offenders a thousand times more. Now, it doesn't mean that, that this relationship's not hard. It doesn't mean that we haven't got issues that are, I don't even know how we're going to get through this, Pastor Rob, Picard. You know what I mean? But compared to the offense that was between you and God, between me and God, I obviously not, I'm not, rem it's like amnesia. <laughs> That's what it is. Because I've straight forgotten 
Like, do I want to begin to open up my life? Do I really want to begin to dig up my past and tell you about the things that I am guilty of, yet God has forgiven me for? In the gospel? How about, how about you? However much we may be victims, and we are, in the sight of God, we are offenders a thousand times more. And no one can hurt us. No one can, no one can offend us to the degree that we've offended God. Like, if you don't understand this, you don't understand the, the gospel. You know what I mean? And, and this is a reminder for all of us, for me. You see, this is the point of the parable. Our problem isn't that we can't forgive a hundred denarii. Our problem is, is that we don't really believe that we've been forgiven a trillion pounds. I said there was a couple of things I was going to repeat. Our problem isn't that we can't forgive 10, 10 grand. Our problem is that we can't, we can't see that we've been forgiven a debt that we can never pay. Can you see that? Let me tell you a story and then we're done. And I've been telling this story a few times for a few years. I'm not sure I've told it here before. I don't think I have. And I was always under the impression, I'm going to beg you, don't switch off. You know what I mean? Because I know I said I'm going to wrap up now. I automatically think, okay, cool, let me get my stuff together and da da da, get out of here. <laughs> it's one o'clock. You know, we've been trying to, we've been striving to finish at one. Now, we've been doing really well. And I must say that. Um, it's still our aim. Now, we're a couple minutes after one. You know what I'm saying? We'll be five more minutes. You know what I mean? But beg you, just give me an opportunity to apply this, yeah? Um, listen to this story. This, I found, I thought it was a, a fairy tale, like fictitious. It's a, it's a true story. Um, it was in an international newspaper, um, um, and, and uh, it was an international newspaper covered the story of a truck driver in Italy who routinely visited brothels, right? Routinely visited, he's a truck driver, away from home, innit? So he would routinely stop off at a prostitute, a, a, a brothel, and have sex with a prostitute. And the key is, the man is married. Now watch this, yeah? On one occasion, an associate, associate said to him, listen, another truck driver, be like, you know, bro, you know what? There's a particular spot, you know? You know when you're driving clear to Quay, um, Netherlands, whatever, Bridging, there's a, there's a spot that you can stop at. And I stop there, brother, and there's one particular, one particular um, prostitute that you must ask for specifically. And he's like, for real? He's like, yeah, 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 cool, man. All right, then. Drives, ends up coming to this brothel. And he follows up on this recommendation that his brethren gave him, innit? And um, when he arrives at the brothel, brothel he, re he realized, wait a minute, but this place is quite close to home. You know what I'm saying? Arrived at this brothel, he asked for the services of this particular prostitute, you know what I'm saying? And he awaited her arrival. To his utter shock and anger, when she walked into the room, he discovered that the woman was his wife. How does he respond? Well, watch the hypocrisy. He was enraged, realizing that while he had been on the road, his wife had been making a living through prostitution. 
And totally out of control, he grabbed her, a bit like the guy in the parable. He grabbed her and would have killed her if he had not been restrained. Can you see that that man, he was really, really clear about someone else's sin, but he was completely oblivious to his own sin. You know, when we think about the fact that we've been hurt and we're victims, think about the cross. And think about Jesus. How many of you know, like, Jesus was the ultimate victim? Look at the way he was treated for nothing that he did wrong. You know what I'm saying? If anything, he has the right to say, wait a minute. Look how man's, look how man's getting treated out here. But he didn't. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And I'm saying, Jesus laid down his life and he paid the price for sin that wasn't his, but for us in order that we might be forgiven. Let our minds be filled, not with the offenses that we've experienced, as hard as they may be, but with the forgiveness that we've received. See, that's the key. Like, forgive the inexcusable? Yes. Why? Because God has forgiven the inexcusable in me, in you. Has he not? And that's what the, un and, you, know, you see, and that's what the unbeliever needs to see when they come into our, into our midst, when they come into our fellowship, when they come into our church. They don't want to come in and see people that are filled with self-righteousness. Oh, like, don't, don't you hate that when you see it? Self-righteous. Self they don't want to come in and see your great morality. I mean, you need to have it. We need to have it. But what they want to see is they want to come in and be... You know what's going to strike them? When they see... Amazing grace displayed to other individuals that don't deserve it because you didn't deserve the forgiveness that you received. But that's what they want to, that's, you know, that's what we transfer. People be like, what? And I feel like that's what we used to have years, years ago. As a, as a church, we were well known. People were like, oh, that loving church. Like you see all the hugging and we still kind of hugging that now. You know how many people and how many churches have been affected by just the way that we, we, we get down? Like when we started a church, we were part of a, a, a movement called Calvary. Well, we still are a part of it. We are still a Calvary chapel. We just changed our name. You know what I'm saying? Like, but, but, but one of the things is we, we, when we came out of the, 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 the hyper faith prosperity movement kind of thing that we was in, and we came into Calvary chapel, into kind of proper line upon line Bible teaching, it's like it transformed us. You know what I'm saying? But you know, you know what? We, like, we, we, our, our proclivity, if you know anything about me, you know I'm a huggy kind of, kind of person. You know what I'm saying? Pastor E, part, like all three of us are like that. We like that with each other and we like that with you. You, you know that, right? And, and it just it caught like wildfire. Like people would come into our church and like, you know what I'm saying? See people, see man hugging man. And they'd be like, why? 
Like you'd hugged this. Listen, when I, especially as I start moving middle in middle class circles, like more white, um, conservative evangelical circles, you hug a brother, man, stand up stiff like a broom, <laughs> like, right? You know what I mean? Not used to that. Now, like, I, it's like I got brothers. I got I got brothers that are like that inclination now that will hug a brother when they see a brother. You know what I mean? And it's this our culture, ain't it, Pete? It's our culture to be like that. We grab man and hug man and dab man and, you know what I'm saying? We, back, we would even get, kiss man, like holy kiss. Holy, you, have to, you, have to, you have to clarify that. <laughs> and, and, and it's a wonderful thing. You know, when I went to Tunisia, my brother lives in Tunisia, right? When I, when, when, when I visited him, like, I was astounded at how his friends would greet me. I think I mentioned it last week. L literally, they say, what, you're Richard's brother? Well, you're my brother. And they grabbed me and hugged me and kissed me on like two times on each cheek, warmly. And I mean, it's like, it's like, that's how we used to, we, I want to say that's how we used to be. We used to, we used to be a lot like that. We still do that, but it's not a lot, it's not like it was. And I want to ask a question like, what's, ha what's happened? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, Surely, fundamentally, the reason for that was the gospel. Well, like we knew we was forgiven, and man would just be like, "Yeah, I'm so forgiven." Like my cup runneth over with love and compassion, and I just want to love my brothers, I love my sisters, loving on each other. And like, what happened? I mean, I mean, it's like they talk about the elephant in the room, right? The elephant. There's an elephant in the pew. Like to say it's not there, you know what I mean? It's like. Have, and, and possibly one of the reasons is we've forgotten the gospel. We've forgotten how much we've been forgiven. You know what I mean? <sighs> See, seven minutes. I, took, I said five, seven. Um, moving. See, we want to move from the world of Lamech, 70, 70 times seven retaliation to 77 times forgiveness. Amen. Amen. Forgiven people forgive. If we're not forgiven, you know what it says? If we're not forgiven, it says that we ain't been forgiven. So just before I pray, let me encourage you. If there's somebody that you've got issues with, I mean, if this don't encourage you to go find them today and just say, you know what, bro, I've been, I had you up in my heart, you know. You're like, you know what, sis? I need to come and talk to you because I've had you up in my heart. And you are that person I don't want to sit next to and I don't want to chat to. But I've been reminded. I've been, I must have licked my, knocked my, head, licked my head or something. Amnesia. Forgive me. I just want to say, you know what, if there is, if this is what it is. Or can I take you out for a coffee? You know what I'm saying? Or just start the conversation, innit? You don't have to, you don't have to, you don't have to dig up the whole thing now, but just make that step in it. The Bible says, like, it, like it's one thing when you, got, you know you got beef with someone. The Bible says even when you think someone else got beef with you, you might not even have no issues with no one, but you got a feeling, hmm, it's funny that person not really chat. Oh, it's funny that person kind of ignored. Oh, it's funny that person kind of ducks out the way when I come, chatting and laughing with everybody else, but I wonder if there's an issue. Let me just go and talk to them. Rather than, Chat to your brethren and talk about, oh, I see this person. 
this, that, and the third. Remember what we talked about? Presumption is the lowest form of wisdom. Don't presume that you know. That's self-righteousness. Just go and chat to the person and squash the beef. And it might be with your spouse. It might be with a parent. It might be with a child. It might be with a brother or sister. I'm saying, like, I'm trying to hit all of the targets. I don't know. But the Holy Spirit, he's able to do that. So I'm saying, take opportunity. Otherwise, what does it say about you? What does it say about me if we're not willing to forgive? I've got to finish now. Let me pray. Um, are the, are girls, are you going to come and sing a song or are we done? You're going to come and sing a song? Amen. So let me pray as they come and help us to sing one more song. And as we're singing that song, Lord, my prayer is, thank you for this parable, Lord. It's so challenging. It's so challenging. But at the same time, it's so encouraging. It's challenging because, Lord, some of these issues we don't want to deal with. It's just easier. Just not, it's not even like we're hating on the person. It's just easier not to... I just, it's just too much drama. I don't need the drama. If I go and speak to that person, what's this going to bring up? And then two twos are going to want to chat about this and then we're going to have to dig up that. And Drama, I don't want it. It might not even be straight bitterness and anger and unfit. Lord, whatever it might be, whatever it might be, Lord, you know, it might be with a, a family member that we need to go home. We, look, they, might not, they might live in another country. Thank you for Skype. That's old. Thank you for Zoom. Thank you, Lord, for, thank you for, for WhatsApp. Thank you, Lord, for FaceTime. Lord, would you give us courage? Lord, and furthermore, Lord, would you help us to understand how much you've forgiven us? That's the first, maybe that's the first place. And Lord, I'm, I'm, Lord, I'm asking that we've, we've, we've sat for an hour thinking about this. Lord, is there anyone, is there any one of us, Lord, that's here and thinking, you know what, I hear that. I don't, it's not even something I need to think about. I don't need to go away and ponder it a little bit more and you know, listen to that message again and with an open Bible. And, no. No. Yes, but no. There's some of us, Lord, just need to, need to, need to and, and, and Lord, thank you. It's not just the what, but it's the, it's the how. It's not what we got, you got to forgive. Oh, all right. But how do, I, how do I, Lord, you've given us the how. How much have I been, for, Lord, what have you done to forgive me a debt that I cannot repay? And you've just, huh? Please, Lord, please forgive me for what I've done. And you're like, okay. And Jesus dies on the cross with all of my sin and says it is finished. It's finished. Robert, you're forgiven. I'm like, Lord, some of it? No, Robert, all of it. Lord, half of it? No, no, Robert, all of it. I'm like, you've forgiven me all my... You're not going to hold nothing against me? Robert, as far as the east is to the west, that's how far I've separated your sin. I've thrown it into the sea of forgetfulness. What sin? Ask me. Lord, what's it? I I don't remember. It's gone. It's finished. It's washed away. I'm like, Lord, Really? Lord, give us a a fresh vision, a renewed vision of the cross and the payment that Jesus made for us. And let that begin to stimulate us. Let that begin to, to, to stimulate, Lord, forgiveness in our hearts for others.
Lord, I don't know how more to pray that, Lord. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.